As organizations progress in their digital transformation journeys, CFOs are making structural changes to their finance departments, weaving together a mix of shared services centers, centers of excellence, and outsourcing arrangements. They are also creating new opportunities for the remaining or retained finance function to add more value. In an Institute of Management Accountant survey of more than 700 companies worldwide, it was discovered that the most successful organizations use financial planning and analysis, or FP&A, to drive results, not just predict them. Deloitte says the FP&A function may be particularly poised to play a more strategic role across the enterprise. This is illustrated during the COVID-19 pandemic period, where there is this almost obsessive need to know the state of financial health of the company at every opportune moment. In this episode of Podchats for Future CFO, we speak to David Upton, Jedox's Director of Strategic Partnerships and Alliances for Asia Pacific, on how FP&A professionals are moving along the FP&A maturity curve, particularly during these trying times. David, welcome to Future CFO. Thank you very much, Alan. I'm very happy to be here. Okay. Now, briefly, what exactly is Jedox from the context of the FP&A profession? Jedox is a is a planning platform. It's it's a platform that's designed to give FP&A teams an edge in terms of improving the productivity of forecasting and analytics and reporting. What exactly is that FP&A maturity curve? The maturity curve is essentially a measure of efficacy for the FP&A function. It's got two main purposes. The first purpose is that it defines what good looks like. So it's like your beacon on the hill on what top FP&A teams are achieving. So where we all want to get to. The second purpose of the curve is that it runs basically from developing teams all the way through to top FP&A teams. It outlines the steps that you need to take to get there. So it doesn't just show you the end goal, but it shows you the granular steps in between in practical and bite-sized actions so that FP&A teams can actually move. The final point was when we look at maturity, we look at it through the lens of, of people, we look at it from processes, and of course, enabling technology and how FP&A teams can more effectively drive the best use of capital allocation in the business and how they can improve business decisions. Now, if you map this FP&A maturity curve to organizations, the FP&A teams in Asia specifically, where do we stand? Where do a lot of FP&A teams in Asia stand in this maturity curve? I do get that question sometimes on, on where people are on average, and we sure as anything don't want to be below average, but sometimes that can be quite a, a low baseline. If you pick a measure like your end of month close, leading FP&A teams can do this in one or two working days. But Frankly, it does vary by industry and, and company size. You get leaders and laggers. When you look at things like the return on weighted capital, where typically about 80% of, of given performance is actually just a function of the industry that you're in, there leaves about 20% there that is determined through executive decision-making. And that's where CFOs can add, frankly, unique value. Or if you take another metric like uh, cost of serve, there can be a 30 to 40% gap in finance costs between the top functions and their peers. 
Uh, but again, that varies by industry. Now, what characteristics uh, of FP&A teams would you consider best in class uh, rep- representative of the of this curve, right? You mentioned a couple of metrics there. Uh, can you cite one? And I understand there's disparity between industries and countries as well. You're exactly right. So rather than just metrics, I think it's a good way of summarizing it is in terms of the way they organize themselves and the outcomes they deliver for the business. So the best FP&A teams that, that we work with unify planning, analysis and reporting to maintain a strategic focus on business goals. That's number one. They also deeply understand how operational metrics drive financial performance. That's the second outcome they deliver. They're also organized in such a way that they can merge the operational and financial planning, and they can take that strategic process and build the resources needed to deliver plan results into the actual budgeting process. And in that way, they're effectively helping the organization translate strategy into actionable plans. You mentioned one one area, technology. If we look specifically at technology as a major part of the delivery mechanism for the role, there are many tools in the market right now, including spreadsheets. Now, how do they do it? When you have certain tools like spreadsheets that have become seven, second nature to the FP&A professionals, and there are people who will refuse, absolutely refuse to give up their spreadsheets, for FP&A professionals to continue to mature, what should they be doing? Should they totally give up these spreadsheets and just move on to these new automated software applications, the likes of what Jedox offers? That's also a really good question. Now, spreadsheets were developed more than 30 years ago, and there is still a reason they're so prevalent today. When we were talking before about the curve, we mentioned that the maturity curve is more than just technology. Technology is an enabler, but you've got to look at your people. You've got to look at the processes. So if you just look at process alone and you consider that you're spending all your time rekeying data, reconciling data, sending out emails. If you're spending all of that time just preparing information, how can you ever hope to focus on higher value activities? You know, you're spending all your time just building up a report. You don't have any opportunity to, to present that back to the organization and add financial insight. So even if you forget about the spreadsheets, you've just got to look at the process there. So often the first step is to consider how can I intelligently automate some of my repetitive activities? And that's where a platform, a modern platform like a Jedox platform can help that. But it means that the organization can improve those processes without needing to necessarily give up the spreadsheets, as you said, that they hold so dear. Can an organization, a FP&A team on their own, go through this sort of transformation so that they could uh, streamline their processes better? Or do they need external help? Do they need to get a push from somebody or some technology to get them going? Number one, everybody's got the capacity to learn. So you can adapt and change in your role. Obviously, you can hire people in with new skills, people with data science skills and, and other skills, which can infuse new ideas into a team. But there is a possibility that you can do this yourself. However, if you're going to just do it with the same tools that you've been doing using for the last 5, 10, 15 years, it is questionable whether you're going to have time to think about these higher value activities. If you're spending all of your time in manual processes, you're doing descriptive analytics, but you're not doing predictive analytics, then you might not even get to a position where you can really start tackling these. So answer number one is yes, they, they can do it themselves. But if you want to mature much more quickly, it can be faster to bring in experts to help you 
to learn those processes faster. And, and presumably because it is a process-related type, I mean, and depending on the maturity or the, the organization itself, you, you can't really tell whether it's a short process or, or a quick process or a long one, a, a long ongoing process to change the, the way you do things, right? On one side, I would say there, there it's a never-ending process because when you get to the top and there'll be something that's better than what you've got. Uh, as an example, we often say you focus on automation, first of all, then you look at things like collaboration. So automation is obvious, free up time from your processes. The next step is about once you've gained a lot of efficiency inside, internally inside the department, how do you actually get the rest of the organization, your your customers, if you like, or stakeholders in other parts of the business to be looking at the business through common business drivers. So we often call that collaboration or integration because we're bringing in those multiple viewpoints into one place. Now, the, the last step, which is transformation, where you're using the, the latest technologies around predictive techniques, machine learning and AI, I mean, frankly, this whole field wasn't here 10, 15 years ago, at least from a finance professional's perspective. And I'm sure that once you get to that stage in five or 10 years, there'll be something new on top of it as well. For the CFO, trying to get his FP&A team to get up this maturity curve, okay, what should he be looking at, especially considering the, uh, the environment we're living today where people have to work from home partially in some locations, and collaboration is a difficult effort and not all the technologies is available to them. And even if they are, at this point in time, there are restrictions that th doesn't necessarily allow for a, an efficient or, or means of educating somebody to pick up the technology and, or even change the way they do things. What's the recommendation for the CFO? From, from a CFO's perspective, uh, one of the most important areas is about talent management. So. If you're leaving people frustrated working long hours on old, inefficient processes or technology, then you're probably going to get some churn in your team. So you're not going to be able to nurture that talent and, and let them grow inside the roles. It's often described in terms of FP&A at the moment that one of the big outcomes is in terms of business partnering. So you are seeing what we call the breadth and depth in terms of roles. So depth can be things like data science and analytical skills, whereas breadth is, is about how can you be an influencer or how can you be a storyteller to persuasively make arguments to the, the rest of the business. So from a CFO's perspective, you need to look at both of these types of techniques. Now, if you get them in one person, that's gold, but typically they're spread across the team. And you need to look at, at how you structure the team in terms of bringing out these skills and most importantly, letting them develop and flourish and, and advance inside the organization. Lastly, if we reverse this, so you, you spoke about what the CFO needs to do. What about for the FP&A professional, as far as this person or these, this team is concerned, what do they need to, given that there's so much new technology out there and there's new pressures on them to uplift their skills and or their contribution to the company, what should the FP&A professional look at in order to up his career moving forward? So looking at both breadth and depth is important. One of the surprising things nowadays is that in order to be adept at, at using modern tools, you don't necessarily have to be a technical expert. So once upon a time, 
if you wanted to be a data scientist, you needed to learn Python or you needed to really know SQL if you wanted to pull data together. With modern analytics platforms, it can be a lot more user-friendly. So you can focus on the value add and the analysis rather than having to learn these deep technical skills. So for a, a an FPNA professional, it's about learning some of these skills so they can use the tools that are available, but most importantly, using them in such a way that delivers an outcome for the business. Ultimately, it's about the finance insight that you can bring to the organization to help them actually make better decisions. Thank you very much, David, for joining at Future CFO. Thanks, Alan. That was David Upton, Director of Strategic Partnership and Alliances for Asia Pacific with Jedox on the evolving role of the FPNA. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CFO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, please email us at editors at society.com. See you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CFO. Bye for now.